I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm your host, to Trunk, and you are joined, I, well, I am joined with Raj. I don't think I've ever managed to do one of these intros that isn't completely awkward and just crap. Do you, Raj Baines? Uh, it's a strange thing to do. I never enjoy starting the podcast on my own either, so you're not alone. Thank you. Um, now, I've got, I've got a bone to pick with you, mate, as do a few of uh, our audience members, it would seem. Um, with <laughs> really? you, and, you and Seb's over, over over exuberance on the rugby chat, I would say, last week. I'm going I'm to give you an on-air slap on the wrist for that, mate. <laughs> uh, it went on for much longer than I think either of us anticipated, but we enjoyed ourselves to such a level that I don't think you'll find either of us apologising anytime soon. Seb doesn't strike me as the type of man that does apologies as well, to be fair. You do. You love me too much not to apologise. Even though you don't in pri- yeah. in, in private, I will do, but not in not in public. I won't, I won't look like you're subordinate in public. <laughs> I like that term. It's quite good. Um, right, well, let's, let's, let's talk about... Let's talk about sex, baby. No, let's talk about Thursday... Let's talk about the Europa League. Apparently, we've been we're we're resting a lot of players. Um, I'm showing my awful knowledge here. Have we actually qualified already? We have, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's essentially just um, Ozan Besiktas, whoever wins, goes th- um, tops the group. So um, I think we we only need a draw to top the group. So as long as we avoid a loss, we um, we go through in first, which means we avoid the Champions League clubs at the first hurdle, I think, um, which is, you know, a bit welcome. We'll, we'll probably end up running into them a bit later on if we get that far. But um, it just helps us in the, in the first round of knockouts because you know how, how, you know, how many rounds there are when you get towards the end of this competition that it's never... Never really over, so we've got um we've still got an awful long way to go, um, but it's just a just a formality of securing first position. I believe uh, Denver Bar's missing from the game, which is probably good news for us. Well, definitely good news for us. Both him and his um both both him and the second striker whose name escapes me now, but both their first uh, first two choice uh, strikers are missing for Besiktas, so it's um it doesn't look. It doesn't look too promising for them on that front, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be able to get out, get at us in uh, in other ways. No, it's going to be, of course, you've always got to expect a, a hostile atmosphere in Turkey from the crowd as well. Um, so that's that's probably going to 
Well, I, I don't. I don't know if I subscribe to that. Actually, I think a hostile opposition crowd probably g's up the players more than anything. I'd I'd say anyway, and just from what I've heard from other professionals that say it, they say it has that actual opposite effect. Um, that it, it really gives the away players a, a, a kick up the arse and makes them want to kind of silence the the baying hordes. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think that probably you can apply that more to a team that's probably got a few more characters in it than we do and actually has some testicles. Um, and we've left ours at home in Mr. Mason and Mr. Bentaleb. So, you know, who do you see us playing? Do you think it's going to be like Stambouli or someone? In the middle of the park. It will be. It'll, it'll, it'll be Stambouli and Dembele, I'd imagine. Um, Jesus. In, in the, in the... <laughs> They're not that bad. Um, yeah, no. But, uh, you know, it's a, a chance for them to prove themselves against a team who will want to win because it is... Um, Besiktas have to win, which I think will hopefully play into our hands because it will mean that they're a bit more attacking than we're usually used to in, in the Europa League, um, which will give us room to actually play our own football in, which is sort of the reason why we were so good against Everton and not so good against Crystal Palace is because these sides allow us to play our football, whereas some sides are a little more defensive and counterproductive. They're the ones that we struggle against more, which is understandable. So it's um, it'll be quite an open game. Whether or not anyone actually has the quality to score or not is uh, is another thing, but we'll we'll see. It'll, be, it'll definitely be Soldado up front, given that Kane's been left at home and uh, Adibayard on, on compassionate leave, so um, we've got quite a lot, um, you know, quite a lot riding on him uh, tomorrow night. Let's, uh, well, yeah, let's hope for a Spurs win. Um, let's go to, let's have a little reflect on the weekend's game, uh, Crystal Palace. What did you take away from it, first and foremost, mate? Um, it was. It, it was one of those performances we've had quite a lot um, over the past few years. Ever since we, ever since you know we we became a bit more prominent in the league and a bit more attacking under Martin Yole, we've had this sort of transition where other clubs would come to White Hart Lane with the express intention of stopping us playing and slowly building into the game and um, and trying to stifle us and then and almost do like an elaborate smash and grab, which is a very unkind way of summarising what Crystal Palace did because in a large way, the, the very simple tactics that they had, they they implemented very well and they, they carried out their task and they were probably the better side for it. Um, it's Like I said when I was, I was talking about the shit tactics, it's much easier to play against the side when they're a little more adventurous and they're coming after you a little bit more and there's more room to be playing in. Um, there's a bit more bit more scope to attack their defence than if there's you know 10 men behind the ball but Crystal Palace just they were so energetic and they, they stuck to their task so well and uh, there was clearly a game plan there in place that they were all buying into that we just didn't have really many answers for that we did we did create a fair few chances there were half chances more than real chances to be honest they were all very difficult Soldado had two or three I think but none of them were were very clear cut and there was that Ericsson chance he had when he did a fantastic bit of, bit of uh, skill to get into the box but there were you know there were little glimpses rather than actual ones where you you hang your hat on someone scoring so it's um it's they're the type of games we're going to be winning once we've 
once we've really settled under a new manager and whatnot, rather than midway through learning his tactics. So I wasn't as disappointed as some other people being. I think people were perhaps seeing Crystal Palace as a bit of a walkover when those games can actually be a little bit more difficult than than some of the bigger sides. We've not we've not spoken to each other since Chelsea either, so there's um there's that to that to think about as well. Yeah, what what did you I think you and Seb covered off Chelsea quite nicely, didn't you? Well, did we? I can't remember. I genuinely can't remember anymore. These have we already, did we preview Chelsea or did we? Yeah, I, I can't remember. Who knows, mate? They all they all slide into one. That shows exactly. Yeah. Just genuinely, it shows you. This is little... just a big conversation, and people people need to wake up to that. They need to wake up to what charlatans we are, and yeah. then just carry on listening, but just not not have any expectation. And maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's a way we should. Uh, Look at um, look at Tottenham this season. Don't know. We we did talk about Chelsea. Now you remind me. Actually, I, uh, and the only thing I remember from having Seb on last time was just talking about Sam Burgess. So I don't um, I don't remember much of the football. But we did we did talk about Chelsea and we did uh, sum it up quite nicely. So it was only Crystal Palace that we had to speak about. I just think that my my main takeaway from Palace was that we just looked knackered. We looked absolutely knackered. Yeah, I think we've played an awful lot of football. Um, the the way I um, I was talking uh, on that that other podcast I've been doing on the U Maxit one um, about December as a month um, when people play football in it. Um, it's the month where the Premier League essentially becomes the Championship for a month. And what I meant by that was the the quality and the, the sort of the tactical nuances become quite minimal. And it becomes much more about um, momentum and uh, being able to motivate your players rather than being able to set them up. Because there's so many games going so so thick and fast as this year that you can't really try too hard to prepare for individual matches. You kind of have to create a bit of a spirit and a bit of a bond within your players and then hope that that translates into... You know, some performances on the back of each other, you'll often see across the period, a lot of teams will do badly in a chunk and a lot of teams will do well in a chunk. There'll be teams that go through Christmas undefeated and teams that go through not having picked up many points. And that that's quite telling later on in the year because the way that transfers to championship season is because they've got so many more games because um, they've got four more teams in their league than, than we do. You'll see that the managers that thrive in the championship aren't, necessarily the most tactically aware ones they're the ones that are the ones that are going to motivate the sides I mean look how well Warnock does in that league look how well the likes of Billy Davis does in that league these aren't managers that are in the Guardiola mode these are essentially from the school of Harry Redknapp in the way they manage their they're teaching their players how to kind of be enthusiastic rather than how to play in any sort of specific manner so I think December's going to be a bit of an odd one for us because it's not one where Pochettino's going to be able to try and implement anything he wants too heavily because there's going to be too many games for him to have any real time on the uh, on the training field. The lads are going to have to have a lot of rest days. And the fact that we're looking this tired this early means there's going to have to be much more rotation in the squad than there has been up until this point because we've not not really utilised as many players as we as we could be and... 
when that's married with the the injuries we've been picking up, it's really not a great situation. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how we get on because um, we've got a few winnable games and we've got a few hard ones as well. And if we if we win the ones that are winnable on paper, and then go into the the harder games with a little more belief, then that should be um, that should be a little more positive than uh, if it were the other way around. I think one thing I did want to touch on for the game um, is the reaction, and it's it's a, it's a can of worms, but it's the reaction that Eric Lamella's faced, um, which I think is, personally, I, I think has been completely ridiculous. Uh, the way in which the lad's been kind of picked out and depicted as being the the sole source of all of our problems from the game that, you know, that he slowed down our attacks, that he lost the ball X amount of times. It's it's just a fallacy. Like I, I, I went to the game and then I watched it again afterwards the next day. And this idea that he was somehow hindering our attack is it's it's just not true. And I can't say it's not true for other games. He has I have watched him and he has frustrated me, but people seem to be blurring the actual line between what they want to see or not even what they want to see, just validation of an argument that they've placed passion into so vehemently that it's actually skewing what is in front of them. If you actually take the time to see a number of the moves that we actually did manage to string together, Lamella was pretty much integral to to all of them in the first half. I mean, yeah, again, there, there are times when it appears as though he's slowing down the play, but if you actually then look, he's he's always trying to play a ball that isn't particularly pedestrian. And yeah, that, that can result in losing possession every now and again. But at the same time, you can see that the, the boy has vision. He's trying to pick locks and he's trying to make something happen that a lot of people don't. I mean, Nabil Bentaleb is rightly lauded for being a, a promising footballer, for someone that has... You know, he brings a calming, assured presence to our midfield, which is, you know, he's, he's, you would, for want of a better expression, say he's wise beyond his years. And he's a very mature, um, very just kind of centered footballer. However, I, I think like one of my main criticisms of, of, of him is still, if, if I were to say one, is that he still doesn't try those probing or quick or incisive balls that even Mason tries to do. And I think that's one thing that Eric Lamella is always trying. And I think you can see when he is on the ball, the talent he has, the way in which he can he can attack the ball and the way he does dribble. I just I just think the boy's got so much talent. I don't I don't understand this like this desperate want to either drop him or sell him. I just I, I can't fathom it. I don't know. I don't understand it. Am I? Am I just? You know, am I being blinkered the other way, Raj? Do, do you think I'm placing too much faith in him? No, I'm. Um, I'm of a, a similar school of thought. To be honest, I think he needs to be given the time to express himself. The only way he's going to be able to learn and progress his game is if he makes mistakes and if he doesn't have it his own way. I mean. Um, I've been reading quite a lot about uh, Raheem Sterling recently. Um, there's a, a column that was on ESPN by Gabriel Marcotti um, about Liverpool, and he he talked a lot about how much football um, the likes of Ronaldo and Messi played um, when they were teenagers and when they were in their early 20s, and the fact that 
the, the likes of Sterling and, and these promising young players at, at this age now are playing much more football than that. And if you know those amazing talents were guarded a little bit more and were eased in a little bit more when they were that age, surely you, you shouldn't be differing from that um, that blueprint too much because it's it's clearly one that works. I think we're we're you know a little bit in danger of of, of trying to. Uh, I'm trying to like expect too much from him because he's he is only young and is as much as we say it is really his first season in the league because last year was was so uncertain both on and off the field there were injuries there were personal issues there was all sorts going on that just wasn't wasn't something that was going to let him succeed and I I often compare it to as you well know that that season that Rodgers had in his his first season at Liverpool and if you look at that season at Liverpool uh, Suarez particularly not that I'm saying Lamella's as good as Suarez you have to point that type of thing out although he's definitely a better human being he um Suarez wasn't as good he wasn't scoring as many goals he he was he looked good but he was he was hitting the bar a lot he was trying too much he was giving the ball away he wasn't you know he wasn't the the player he went on to be that season he was there was a lot of effort but there wasn't a lot of end product from him um there's probably more than what Lamella's doing but you know he was an older footballer he, he knew his game a bit more but what I'm trying to say is if if he's given that time to run in the side and then learn the league and learn how his team playing how his manager wants him to play when that you know when the when the penny eventually drops across the board and you've got a team that know what they're doing you've got a, a player with the talent to know what he's doing more consistently and with better better options and you've got a manager who's you know made that a an environment for everybody to want to be inside then it's going to happen but it's not going to happen straight away it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen after a few months it's 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 a matter of patience and that's just not something that Tottenham Hotspur at any level seem to seem to have at the moment and neither at boardroom or at fan level it's um it's quite disappointing to be honest because we've we've had uh, we've had quite a few starts to cycles and we've had cycles that have been at their midway point and cycles that have had their peaks and their troughs and ones that we could have seen through to different ends and we've never We've never been able to to back ourselves and carry that on. We've always bought admission and uh, and tried something new and tried a quick fix rather than just persevering and see where that took us. Um, and I think we're we're going to pay for that again if we don't allow it to happen again. We, we we're just um, we're suffering from our own our own impatience, to be honest. Well, there you go. Um, another player, it could be argued that we perhaps suffered with a bit of impatience from was Gilfie Sigurdsson. No, I, I don't, I'm just trying to segue. <laughs> don't worry. Please don't start picking me up on that. I'm just trying to segue our next section, which is to introduce our guest. Um, who we, well, yeah, his name's Matt Harrison. He's been on the show before. He's a nice bloke. Over to you, Matt. Hello and welcome back to Rule the Roost, Matt. How are you doing, mate? I am very good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's it's a bit weird this, uh, given that we've just spoken for your pod and now you're you're here yep. speaking for us. So we, we we'll, we'll probably be having the pretty much the exact same conversation again. Although I don't know if I'll be asking you to. Actually, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll flip the tables on you. Do you, do, oh, you wow. do you want to make the noise that a swan makes for us? Oh, 
Do you know, we had the guy who was on our podcast last week did this to me as well. It was was basically, uh, hang, hang. Oh, that is good. Hang around swans, lad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just just for the, uh, so we're not accused of making in-jokes. That was was one of my challenges on Matt's pod to make the noise of a swan. And I I apparently did all right. Yeah, you did very good. Very impressive. There we go. Um, I, I am a man known for his silly voices and odd odd noises. So, you know, there's something for my epitaph, mate. Um You are more of a swan than an ugly duckling. Oh that, that's you. that's what we that's what we call our man of the match and sort of flop of the ward <laughs> flop of the match award, so um I'll, I'll t- Thing. Well, that's definitely a good thing, isn't it? Um, mm. Anyway, to football. Well, actually, no, no. I, t- I, I don't. I don't want to talk to you about football just yet. I want to talk to you about the Wildstone Raider because it's not the Wildstone Raider to me. It's Gordon to me. We're Gordon, like best well, mates now. Sorry, I, I, I forget you're rolling these showbiz circles. <laughs> um, what would if I, for anyone that's not Matt? Go on. You you tell the story of Lost Boyos and everything for anyone that's not yet aware of your yeah. blog. Um, well, basically, I live in Manchester these days, believe it or not, for my sins. And it does mean I miss out on a lot of Swansea home games. I generally just go to away games these days and I go to the home games when I'm back in South Wales, like I'll be over Christmas. So to sort of make up for the football, I ended up starting to go to sort of random games, really. And it's it sort of escalated a lot. It could be a league game. It could be non-league like right at the bottom of non-league and i basically do another blog called lost bios alongside my brother who doesn't get as he doesn't do as many blogs but he's lived in korea and he lives in spain now so he does blogs about his travels and basically my sort of blogs are generally about going to random parts of the country going to the football and then writing about it and usually meeting um people that come along with me say i have this incredible knack of attracting all sorts of weirdos and <laughs> amusing characters that I d- you know I don't go up to these people but yes um that's lost bios and I believe the story you're going to go on to is obviously we were at your good friends uh down in West Ham on Sunday lovely club <laughs> yeah lovely club um so we decided to make a bit of a weekend of it and go to London for the weekend and I have a mate who plays center back the Wheelstone FC. So we thought, well, let's go to Saturday. And who should we meet outside smoking a cigarette? But the the now infamous Wheelstone Raider. Because he's he's just, what's he like? Has it gone to his head or is he is he a nice bloke or Well, when like we got it, we obviously when we were walking up the street we were trying to find the club and we were all sort of saying I've been told my mate who I said like plays for them he was saying that oh, he'll be there. So we're like, oh, you know, do we sort of, do we sort of get him after the game in the bar? So when we saw him like straight there, without thinking, I just went right. Let's get it sorted now. Let's get a photo. Yeah. So I saw, so I did the proper sheepish, sheepish. Uh, I can't say it, sheepish chat line of almost going. I'm sure you get this all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but and then we sort of asked him about photos, and it got to the extent of when he said, yeah, yeah, of course you can. And we started posing for these photos and he said, lads, lads, let's not do it here. Let's go around the side so the sun's not reflecting in the lens. And, oh, look at that. What and a professional. I was, like, I, was, I was like, what a professional you are. You're used to it. And um, genuinely, though, when we like, 
you know, we spent a bit of time with him in the bar after the game and he is right, generally really humble about how it's all happened or this sort of fame from just a, an abusive YouTube. Yeah, just from him being pissed really. and shouting at people. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was generally humble and he, he, he sort of, you got the impression he's quite enjoying it and he's making a joke about it. Like I was just saying the Jack that he's on our... He's on our podcast this week introducing it and he does his catchphrase and, you know, everybody has sort of said to him, oh, go on, you want some? He was sort of laughing and then saying it and, you know, you'd think he'd get a bit sick of it. But no, he generally seemed to be, seemed to be loving life. He was, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was an interesting experience meeting him. I'll, I'll give him so. that. So he's probably getting a few thousand a night for those club appearances. And oh, and actually, so. the, the best pit, when we're saying he's humble, when he was sitting by us, um, we were obviously having a drink, and I think one, you know, some lad said, "Oh, you're a legend, you are Gordon, you're a legend." And believe it or not, I work as a school teacher, as does the lad that plays for Wheelstone. He's a PE teacher, and he said, "Nah, nah, lads, these ones are the inspirational ones. These are the teachers. These are the ones that matter." So I got called inspirational by the Wheelstone Raider as well. What a lovely bloke! What a lovely bloke! That's well. He's, he just sounds... It gets better and better for the world's yeah. Raider. So, there he Go is. on for Christmas number one. Yeah, yeah, and it just... Um, so, there you have it. I wonder, are there... Does your mate know, are there are there attendances going up at all because of um, because of him? I, I did ask, and they do reckon they get a few... You know, not... For example, Saturday, they were about... I think it was 700 there Saturday. Um, it's, it's sort of, That's about average. But he does think, like, you do get the odd person coming through the door that just sort of wants to meet him and, you know, obviously combine that with the football. But, yeah, they, I think he is getting a few more through the door from the people I spoke to. Not in, like, their hundreds, mm. maybe another 20, 10, 20. Yeah. No, at the end of the day, I took with me about another, it was about six of us went, and, I, you know, I think a lot of them sort of wanted to see the Wheelstone Raider more than anything, but... That's crazy, though, isn't it? But it's mm. the power of the internet. You're seeing him up in banners in Holland, and he's yeah. you know in vines and all this kind. Of, he's even got his own number one app in the app store. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, well, obviously, in the in the school I work in as well, all the kids obviously by Manchester are obsessed with Andy Tate. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Anything you say to them, they go, "Don't care, don't care," <laughs> or do some sort of mank impression of him. You got the job on a technicality. Yeah, you I get like it that. every time. Uh, I bet that'll wear thin in, what, five minutes. But um, <laughs> anyway, Swansea. Um, oh, yeah. There's that, we, we spoke about this. There's, there's this young lad you, you lot signed from some, I don't know, some muggy club somewhere else, let him go for whatever reason. I think they swapped him for a reserve goalkeeper, <laughs> didn't they? Um, yeah. Gil, Gil Fees, what's, what's I think Kevin Phillips has got the right right pronunciation of his name. Um Gilfie Sigurdsson. How... Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, the boy's doing good, unsurprisingly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing all right. <laughs> no, he's, it, I, I said in the summer that when the sort of this story cropped up that we were linked with him, I just remember thinking that he'd be perfect back now because we sort of saw this sort of crumbling away of meet you slowly and it was great for a year in Michu, but Gilfie is much more of a Swansea City player. And, you know, he's, he's played for us before. He, he knows, you know, that style is similar-ish to what we had under Rodgers. So 
coming back 18 months, two years later, not that much has changed. And he's just fitted in straight away, scored in his debut, um, well, league debut at Old Trafford, well, the winner at Old Trafford. And yeah, he's just been, he's been incredible. And the thing we can't get over, because we, we, I guess we should be thanking Spurs maybe, is when we had him the first time, it was everything was a bit more everything was spectacular there was like fancy through balls and goals from long range but we cannot get over since he's come back to Swansea his work rate is phenomenal I've never seen like a, a number 10 this like a proper playmaker run so much and that's the thing I think this we we love him even more more for I think if you watch Swansea on telly I'd I don't know if this is noticeable, but when you see them live, just he covers so much and he he shouts at people. He's like, press up, press up. And and you see him sort of, when it doesn't come off his pressing, he looks around him, sort of, you know, puffs his cheeks out and think, right, here we go, go again. And I think that's the, <laughs> admittedly, the spectacular is still there as well. He's, you know, he's only got two goals so far, but he's the second in the assist chart behind Chess Fabregas and yeah he's just, I, I, he's been faultless really he's been incredible yeah he's got about eight eight assists doesn't he this season yeah, yeah. eight assists and obviously you'll like the fact he scored that blinding free kick against the Gooners oh it's beautiful that absolutely beautiful um I don't know I don't know if you remember a goal he scored in the league cup against yes, Hull for us yeah, Jesus like it was it was honestly it's, it's one of those ones that if he'd done it in a Man United shirt, it would mm. still be being played on all these Sky Sports highlights reels and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, it, it, you know, the, the lad has always possessed that kind of talent. Um, and as we were talking about on your show, I, I was always very much a fan of Gilfie. Um, and I think there seems to be two, two schools of thought at the moment whereby you have a lot of Spurs fans that really are angry about it. They seem to lament, like, yeah, oh, why did we sell him? Look how good he obviously is and blah, 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 blah. But, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, yeah, you can apply that to a lot of players. I think, like, for example, you know, you could you could foreseeably see someone like Paulinho going on to Roma or a team like that and absolutely tearing it up. And it's just, it's a bit redundant to say, you know, why didn't we keep this player? Because we did give Sigurdsson a good chance at Tottenham. He did play a lot. Um... Uh, like I was saying to you before, I think he, he linked up particularly well with Bale. Um, I mean, I know that's kind of a stick we often beat Ozil with. We'll always say, oh, well, he only looked good because he was playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, it's probably a bit harsh. And it's probably a bit harsh to say that about Siggy. I, I, it just seemed to be more that he wasn't really afforded the freedom at Tottenham um, when we brought in Christian Eriksen. He was always more the player that I think we gave a bit more freedom to. Um and I'm personally happy that we've we've got Christian Eriksen. Um, I didn't I didn't want us to sell Gilfie. I always really liked Gilfie. Thought he was a very good player. Um, but I can understand why, and I can understand why he would have wanted to go um, and be probably more of a central figure for you guys, um, and yeah, be more of that kind of first name on the team sheet kind of player. Um, and that's not to say we're like you know. Miles too big for a player like him, but it's just I think just some of the other players that we had as well around him in similar positions probably um, would be ahead of him in the pecking order. But what do you think it is that you guys do to get the best out of him? I think you know the the obvious thing to say really is um, 
we play him in the middle and we, you know, as, as that number 10, as that sort of focal point of the midfielders and say, look, we know what you can do. You just find the space. You, you don't have to stay where you are. You go roaming wherever. And I think, like I suggested earlier, I don't know if at Swansea, we've just got a bit more license with our number 10 to do that. Cause I remember, um, obviously we've signed Baffertimby Gomez and during preseason, we did try a few times to play both Gomez and Bonnie and it wasn't quite working. And then we played Villarreal, I think, yeah, Villarreal in a preseason friendly and they battered us with them two up front. And in those games, sort of bony sort of forced guilty a bit wider out to the right and you could just see just he just it didn't look right it's it's, yeah I think it's literally that and I guess in a way we're seeing him more recent well I think we're going to see him more in the next few weeks we've obviously got Ki Sung Young playing behind who I've you know as good as Gilfie's been Gilfie's more spectacular but I made a claim in our podcast last week that Ki Sung Young is my player of the season for Swansea so far. He has been superb. And were you just trying to be a bit of a hipster, Matt? Be <laughs> no, be honest. <laughs> not really. No, it's um, it's more than um, he's just, it, you know, it, it is typical. I guess I I sometimes think that these players that play in the middle of the park behind the attackers do get celebrated a bit more because sometimes they've got an easier job. They sort of just get a ball and play a short. But key in all fairness to him is had a, a very, you know, it might it might not surprise you to hear, quite a quite haphazard John Joe Shelby playing by the side of him, <laughs> yeah. who can be brilliant but can be pretty stupid as well sometimes. And Key has dealt with it superbly. But now, in the last, when was it, two weeks ago, Leon Britton is back, who is just the most stable footballer you'll ever see. And it's given Key, who's the licence to go a bit further forward behind Gilfie and link up a bit more with him. So I think, if anything, Gilfie's going to get a little bit better as it goes on. And, you know, it, well, in the first game Leon was back, he broke forward into the box and scored the opener for us. So, yeah, I think that part... the key Gilfie partnership I think is going to become a lot more important for us over the next few weeks as long as Leon is there okay um how are you guys coping without Ben Davies um to be honest with you the first all Swansea fans last season would say there, there was a patch when Ben Davies was struggling a little bit not I I didn't feel we should drop him and a lot were saying well it doesn't matter we've got we've got Neil Taylor and I I I sort of fell into that camp, sort of, because <laughs> when when we were in the championship, I always said the the one player we needed to replace going into the Premier League was Neil Taylor, and <laughs> Neil Taylor made me look a bit silly because he just vastly improved in that first season in the Premiership, and I thought, oh well, I feel a bit silly, and then obviously he got broke his ankle. Ben Davis came from nowhere, and I just thought Ben Davis was a better player, but since the season since the start of the season Neil Taylor has not he's been awful but there's, there's a, quite a few goals have come from our right wing and he's he's looked a bit off the pace maybe that's because he you know he did have a really really you know bad injury and had eight nine months out of the game so and even when he came back he couldn't get in the team because we had Ben Davis there so 
perhaps he's still finding his feet because I've called a few times on our podcast saying that perhaps we should look for not just a new left back, perhaps a new right back with um, Angel Rangel, who's a legend, aging a little bit now. But in recent weeks, Taylor is, though he's he's looking he's looking decent again. Still the odd mistake. Not that he's been awful, but susceptible at times. So we're coping, we're coping fine. But I still. I still think that we could perhaps improve in that area. And actually, last week we did, we did, uh, we, like we said, we do a Twitter question on ours. And Wilfred Boney is going to the African Cup of Nations in January. And we, we sort of asked people who would they perhaps want on loan to sort of cover that for a month or who might be realistic. And somebody just said, sod that, let's get Ben Davis back on loan if he's not playing. So. I think you know. I think a lot of Swansea fans would love that. I can't see it happening, but I'm not sure. Jury, jury's still out. I think. I, I mean, you're going to get some knee jerk types be like, "It was a waste of money. He's crap. He's this. He's that." But we've not seen enough of him. He's been injured. Um, I think he's had. I don't know. I think you can speculate. Say he's probably had a bit, had a bit of trouble settling. Um, past few games, he started to look really good for us. So you know, let's just the thing with him look, as well yeah. is like he. Obviously, Swansea to London is, you know, the, the contrast in the cities is amazing for, and he's only he's only a young lad still, but, I, you know, I'm not 100% on this, but I'm pretty sure that he spent, even when he was in the first team at Swansea, he was living with his parents. So, and he was still very much a, lo- a young local lad. It almost, you know, he got plucked out to the reserve team really quickly and just sort of shot shot into our first team and never looked back really. So it all came a bit quick for him and maybe, I don't know, it was going to always slow down at some point and perhaps go into a different club. It will take him a bit, just a bit more longer to settle in. But, you know, we saw enough, enough qualities. He'll, he could go on to be a really, really top player. And it'll be interesting to see because he's played a bit more for Wales now. But when Laudrup was manager... Laudrup always tipped him to be a future centre-back for, well, he said Swansea at the time, but in the future. So, And he's played it for Wales a few times, so that's that's one thing maybe that could happen. I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I think we, we saw signs of a very good very good player um, at Swansea, and hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll carry that forward with us. Um, I guess I just wanted to, before I ask you for your, your, your score prediction, Matt, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, does Spurs actually scare you anymore? Do do you look at us coming to you and think, well, we've got, you know, we've got to be on our toes in this one as as you maybe once were? Or do you look at it as a sort of team that you perhaps should be beating at home at the moment? Well, it's it's a funny one, really, because our record against Spurs in the Premier League is not good. I'm, I'm fairly sure we've only got one point off you, which... I believe it was our first Premier League game against you when Scott Sinclair scored, I think it was the 90th minute on, if I remember rightly, it was New Year's Eve as well at the Liberty. It was either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Um, and I think that's the only point. So there's always that. We're not, we, we do have these certain teams we're not very good against. West Ham, who we played this weekend, we're not very good against either. So there's, that, there's always that in the back of your mind as fans, maybe. Maybe not. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So much as players, because, you know, obviously teams changed a lot. But yeah, when I look at the Spurs team now, I, I, I think I saw something on the BBC site today saying that people are scared of Soldado and Adebayo. Or did one of them two say that? Some I don't know, somebody said that. And I was like, I'm, I'm not really. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who the hell said that. <laughs> I, I, I maybe, maybe, just, maybe just Tottenham's accountant. But... <laughs> Perhaps I dreamt it. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure I read it. But um, yeah, there's no, there's no players really that, that terrify me. There's players I know, like, like you mentioned Ericsson earlier, a player I know is a very, very talented footballer. And it's almost like you go into this game and you, you sort of go, well, he could be quiet, but then he could be a game changer and or a match winner. It's, it's you don't know you don't know what Spurs are going to show up. I I guess, and from what I've gathered from all the Swans fans I've spoke to, is that's the running theme. We really, really don't know what to expect on Sunday from Spurs because obviously we're above you in the league, and I'm right in that, aren't I? We are still above you in the league. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you are. And we are very, very good at home. Well, we're much better at home than we are away, as most teams are. But, yes, it's a funny one. It's, it's, yeah, Ericsson is the one that I, you know, that scares me a bit, but that, not really at the same time. What, what, do you, what do you think the score will be, if you have to guess? Because you do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, I'll I'll be proper home fan then I'll go 2-1 to the Swans 2-1 to the Swans sounds, sounds like a good bet mate um, so thank you very much for joining us Matt um, do you want well, to can I yeah, yeah can I can I give one more thanks to you actually because it, um, it's something we didn't mention on our podcast actually is um we should say he's coming very good recently uh, Tom Carroll he's doing he's doing well he's, that's that's a very good you, you, yeah. you're doing my job better than I am mate. yeah no I, I scored a goal he scored a goal the other day as well, didn't he? No. Did he? 
thought he did. Andy Carroll scored against us twice, but not Tom. Yeah, um, that's probably probably where I'm going wrong, mate. I'm 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 useless at this. I need Raj. This is why I need Raj. I'm just the one that cracks the crap jokes. But he was he's the one that knows about football. (laughs) He was um he was looking a bit. He he had made a very good start in the cup games for us. Then we chucked him in the league at Stoke, which is never a nice place to be thrown into the mix. And we thought, oh, he looks a bit lightweight. But then I on our podcast, I gave him man of the match against Man City, the Etihad against Yaya Toure. And he's looking really tidy, like a sort of, a bit like a poor man's Leon Britain. But I mean, I'm the nicest possible way. That could be, could be quite, could be quite tasty us having uh, Ben Taleb, Carroll and Mason as our midfield options. In yeah, a, there a you go. Years. A nice bit of homegrown talent, but... Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for sparing my blushes there, Matt, as well. That's all right. You managed to get Tom Carroll mentioned, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season, mate. And uh, Thank you. Best, best of luck to Siggy if you meet him again, because I've seen you, you've been rubbing shoulders with oh him Oh, my as God. Well, so. Oh, my God. His eyes. Yeah. They're beautiful. <laughs> They're beautiful. For a man made of ice, he can sure melt you, eh? That's yeah, it was, he, was, he, was the, he was the one I was after. That was when um, that was when Swansea played Plymouth pre-season. We went to Plymouth for the weekend, and we were just... Hanging, uh, we were going, and my mate said, "Oh look, it's the Swans team over there." So we went and chatted, and I was like, "Where's Siggy? Where's Siggy?" And he wasn't there. And then he sort of hung around the back, and then he came out by himself. And I was like, "Oh, I'm so glad to have you back." And uh, he's, he's he's a lot of Icelandic people when they're speaking English, they actually sound quite English, don't they? He sounds yeah. he sounds kind of all right, mate, doesn't he? In his in his interviews and stuff, I've I've yeah. heard still. Bit like Heidegger Johnson, if you've ever heard him talk. But yeah, I've met I've met Heidegger Johnson. He sounds English, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, yeah, he does sound very. English. He, I once I once watched Club Bruges v Otolol Galati next to a golf course with Heidegger Johnson sat in a fridge. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> true like, story. You've you've either got a very good acid dealer, or you've, <laughs> you've got some. Some some footballing tales to tell, my friend. Which, yeah. which of course you can read um, on Matt's Los Boyos website. What's uh, what's the URL, mate? It is losboyos.wordpress.com. You should check it out. There's... And you can read about the Wheelstone Raider on there at the moment. It's great, great photography, great stories. It's 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 very good. Like you, you, you know, it's a neutral football blog. It's it's brilliant. It's very very good. I couldn't recommend it any higher. Um, okay. But. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us again, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good luck for the season, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Pleasure as always having you on the show. Uh, I actually, you know, before we recorded, well, we actually spoke about it on the show, so I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know, though, Raj. Before we recorded, I, I went on Matt's show as well. Um, and I think I probably sounded better on his show than I do on, on this. I get a bit, I get a bit nervous. I get a bit awkward when when I'm on this show, to be honest, you know, people, people don't realize the responsibility and the pressure on your shoulders hosting an amateur podcast. It's a tough job guys. And I don't think you'd be as mean to me on, on Twitter as, as you sometimes are. If, if you really knew how, how hard it was, wouldn't you agree with that Raj? I'm, I'm never really nervous to be honest. I just sit here and have a chat. So I don't try and think about it too much. you play with your willy, don't you, while, while we're doing it? I heard. That was a rumour. I don't know where those rumours have started, but I'd, I'd want them to, to, to... Seb. Seb started those rumours. Well, what me and Seb do... He's trying to break well... us. He's trying to break us. Don't let him break us, Raj. Don't don't leave me. Don't do this rugby podcast, please. 
I'll be a, I'll be I'll be a hollow man without this this silly little podcast every week. What would I do? I'd have to I'd have to get someone else to replace you. Who could, I, I don't know. I'd find some. I'd find someone. I'll cope without you. See, look at this. I'm going for the grieving process on air now. I'll be fine. Go and do you go and do your rugby podcast. Please don't. There were serious discussions about about not not disbanding Roll the Roost, but creating a, a rugby alternative that me and Seb had. That um, you that, scumbags. That we, we've had secret midnight discussions about over candlelight in basements, but we um, <laughs> we're not sure if they that's gonna that's gonna take off or not. Um, I'm sure there's an audience for it. There's a, you know rugby league's one of them sports where the online presence isn't great. To be honest, it's uh, it's underrepresented. I actually filled out a. Um, an application form for a company the other day um and on their on their form they had like oh what would you do differently here what sort of content would you have and I essentially wrote a 1000 word rant about the lack of rugby league coverage that they do and the fact that you know we're underrepresented at every level within inside the institution and I you know referenced the fact that nobody's been ever nominated for, for sports personality of the year for the past few years that really should have been out of the sport and I went on a bit of a Mardi, to be honest. Did uh, what? What was it an application form for? Well, just a just a company. I don't wish to name them in case it goes good or sour either way. Okay, but it, but it you want it to go good, but you laid into them. I actually, no, I think a lot of employers sometimes appreciate that. But I know it was a, it was it was a bold move. <laughs> your your certain brand of laying into. Can can be rather terse at times, Mister Baines, which is you know, yeah. Yeah, I don't, thing. I don't, I'm not one to mince me words, am I? I kind of uh, no. You don't I, suffer fools gladly. I like that about you. I put it out there as it is, so it's uh, they'll either uh, they'll either see it as uh, positive uh, criticism, or they'll uh, they'll think I'm a bit of a knob and uh, not even contact me again. So we'll uh, we'll soon see. This is this is why I do what I do. Why I sit and. Right on my own because I don't do very well with other people, as you well know. They um, <laughs> they tend to annoy me if they don't uh, follow suit as much. I'm I'm a little more I'm a little more uh, accommodating than I appear to be, but probably not as much as I sh- should be. Ah, fuck people! They're all horrible. They all stink. And they're all I, they're, they're all just out to get you, mate. I don't have, trust uh, anyone. Uh, yeah, I have two very. I, I don't even trust my yeah. mum. Definitely don't trust uh, your mum. Well, there's there's that. She's uh, she's she's shady that one. Um, she broke her tooth the other day. I mean, she's only forty three, but like last night she was eating an eclair and broke her tooth in half. And then she weren't happy with me when I laughed at her because I found it quite funny. But literally split one of her back teeth right in half. But she's been Bloody to emergency emergency dentist today and had like a uh, like a crown thing put over top of it, but. It was just like when she came upstairs and she had like a mouth open. She was like, I ate a bit into an eclair and then my tooth broke. And I was expecting like a little chip when she showed me. That half a tooth, it was like, if you literally just dissected a tooth down the middle, half it had cracked off. And like I say, she's not old. She's only early 40s. And, uh, I must have been agony. Oh, yeah, she weren't amused. But uh, it's uh, she says it still hurts now a bit. Because I remember once I had to... I've only ever had one filling in my life. And I was, you know, desperately... Disappointed the day it happened because I'm somebody that takes care of my personal hygiene and my teeth and whatnot. Dental yeah. hygiene is something that matters to me. And when they said I had to have one, I was I wasn't too amused. 
Um, so when they did it, it was oh, I felt so violated the way in which they treat your mouth. They just well, kind of hold it open. All I'm going to say to you, Baines, is as a, as a man with similar regard for his uh, for his oral cavity, and as a man with zero fillings, I completely judge you now. So I've only got the say. one. I've only, I've only yeah, got the one. It's not, doesn't, doesn't matter to me, mate. You've got a filling now. You, you're out of our club. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you don't care. Anyway, yeah. what were we talking about? Anyway, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah. I mean, me and, Matt, me and Matt spoke about him quite a bit. I, I wasn't particularly happy to see Gilfie go. Um, but at the same time, I, I understood the decision. Um, and I, I'm, I won't pretend that everything he did in a Tottenham shirt was fantastic. I also won't pretend, that, like a lot of people tend to, that we didn't actually give him a pretty fair crack of the whip in his time at Spurs. Um, it just didn't really work out. And he's playing in a slightly different system. He's afforded different freedoms at Swansea and, you know, he's flourishing. But I'm personally happy that we've kept Christian Eriksen and sold Gilfie Sigurdsson. I know it's, it's a kind of redundant comparison because they are, they're not m- miles dissimilar in terms of the position they play and what type of player they are, but they're still not the same type of player but it is the most easy comparison to make. And out of the two, I would rather have Christian Eriksen personally. But are you sad to see Gilfie Sigurdsson go? Are you surprised at how well he's done at Swansea? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised that he went and I wasn't surprised that he did well, to be honest. I think he's a player that thrives at a level. Um He's very much one of those players. If you build a side around him, then he's going to be fantastic. But he's not good Clint enough for Clint Dempsey, it. for example. I think he's a level above Clint Dempsey, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's um, of that that quality. I think he's a tiny bit better than that. Um, Dempsey's a little bit more, uh, <sighs> a little bit more limited in what he can offer. Um, bit, bit Robbie Keane. No, Robbie Keane's better than the pair of them, I'd say. Robbie Keane at his very best was better than Sigurdsson. Oh, definitely for me. Um, Keane at his very, very best was, was fantastic. Um, but I digress. Um, Sigurdsson yeah. for me, because he's, he's, he's so specialist, he did very well to reaccommodate himself and, and play fairly usefully from the left for us. But because we have so many options through the middle, he was never going to be one that, um, that took the mantle on full time. Because... Although he has these these occasional moments of brilliance, he's he's not really as consistent as people imagine he is. Although, you know, his, his figures often dictate otherwise. They come in in peaks and troughs. Whereas someone like Ericsson, who can dictate a game without playing necessarily too well because his his passing's a little bit sharper, his his vision maybe is a little bit better. Um, he's he's got that extra tiny bit of class about him that that perhaps Sigurdsson hasn't. It's um. That's that's the reason why we you prioritise that type of player over over Sigurds. and I think uh, Guilford's a tiny bit more more functional than perhaps uh, Lamella or Eriksson would be. Um, but you know he's he wouldn't have done any better if he'd gone to somewhere like Liverpool. I don't think I think it's just he's better if he's if he's a more aspirational side playing a little bit better. He'd be he'd you know he'd. he'd He'd succeed much more. It's it's like if you look at Lambert now at, at Liverpool, because he's gone from being the main man at one place to just a, a squad member at another. He's not playing as well, and there's there's some players that need that regular football and need that assurance that they are the member of something and an essential part of something, and that will get the best from them. And the fact that 
Sigurdsson didn't have that at Tottenham, didn't get the best from him. And, you know, it's it happens quite often. As, uh, he's not a player that I have any ill ill will towards leaving or, or coming. He, I, he wasn't somebody I, I shed any tears over leaving. Um, it was just one of those that just didn't seem like it was going to work out, to be honest, because he's, he's too good to be a squad player, but he's yeah, not yeah. good enough to be your you know your, your front line. He's, he's in a very awkward position, and I think that's a position he's going to probably um, hold for the rest of his career, to be honest. I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than a squad player if he, if he moves to a Champions League side, and I don't yeah. think he's ever going to be more than a, a very good member of a, a lesser side if he, if he goes anywhere else. He's probably going to be one of those players that crops up in, in Europa League sides for the rest of his career, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you can understand people's frustration, but at the same time, you know, you've got to try, at least try, call for a bit of rationality over it. I mean, you, 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 you can conceivably see, and it's an example I often use, but you can conceivably see Paulinho being bought by, you know, insert Serie A club here, someone like Roma, doing a really great job in the Serie A, probably playing really, really well in the Champions League. And then you'll have swathes of Tottenham fans saying, you know, why didn't we play Paulinho? Why is Paulinho doing this aroma? Typical Tottenham, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, as we're seeing with Paulinho, I mean, the jury's still not out on Paulinho. It's, It's unfair to completely write him off yet, even though I pretty much have, if I am, to be honest. Um... I just, I don't know. It's too easy to, to to kind of put hindsight into these things. I think like Gilfie had a chance um, and it just didn't really work out for him at Spurs. And I, I agree with pretty much everything you've said, mate. So yeah, what can I say from there? But if if we're to talk about a lack of a rational fan base, um, and I mean, let's, let's not go into it too much, but there seems to be a growing movement at the moment that are airing uh, particularly silly I would say Pochettino out sentiment already um, I mean quite how you can begin to respond to that is is beyond me um, and I just I, I, I can't I can't begin to fathom like the thinking behind this why why people would would actually want to go through all of this again like why people don't realize by now that sacking the managers continually isn't the answer. I mean, I, something I tweeted out after the Crystal Palace game is, and I, I think this was probably one of the things that stood out for me, is that a lot of the time, and a lot of the time this season, when things haven't gone well for us, it seems as though we still just look a bit lost. That you know, When you actually look at our playing, like our personnel, the players we have available to us, it is all a bit of a mismatch. It's kind of there's a mismatch of personalities there. There's a mismatch of players that probably operate within different types of team within different systems. And you know, this is this is surely down to the fact that this is an accumulation of players bought by several different regimes of management. And this is why also it doesn't really wash for me when people say Baldini buys all of the players, because I don't even think there's been like a consistent thread to the purchasing as well. It seems to be subtle nuances between management teams. And, you know, it's not just the manager himself. It's the whole backroom staff. Every single time we're having a whole new coaching team brought in. We're having a whole new coaching regimen built in. And, you know, each and every time these players are having to readjust to this, their bodies are having to readjust. 
the way in which they approach the game is having to readjust. Probably habits that the manager has that he enforces upon the players, they're having to readjust to. I mean, it's just it's it's not something we really want to put the team through again. Um, I, I'm I'm not I was I wasn't and I, I'm not massively in favour of Pochettino as a man. Um, I, he didn't stand out for me as my ideal candidate. I, you know, again, I've never made a secret of the fact I fancied De Boer, to be honest, to be our manager, but it didn't happen. Pochettino's our manager, and thus I'm behind him. And I just think, you know, the, the buck has to stop somewhere, and we have to stop just looking at poor results and saying, right, that's it, manager's got to go. Because it's the first thing that a lot of our fans criticise Daniel Levy for as well. But if if the fans themselves are calling for the manager's head at the drop of a hat, like who are we to then criticise the chairman for doing the same thing? Um, I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts on it at all, mate? I, don't, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too pious. I don't want to bang on about it too much, but I just kind of feel like it's something I wanted to raise. No, it's something that I think bothers you more than it does me because it's not something I've really experienced, to be honest with you. I think I... I tailor who I who I interact with online and see speak online perhaps a a bit more stringently than you do. You're you're much more open to people and much more open to <laughs> talking to people who who you disagree with and things like that. Whereas I just don't have the patience to to, to sort of uh, have that sort of thing streaming through my phone every day. There's a very there's a very good reason behind the fact that there's just, there's so so few people that I. I follow on, on online, to be honest with you, and there's, there's not many, not many places I go for for content and things like that because I'm I'm very wary of how easily I'm uh, I'm irritated. Um, I find the whole notion, um, the fact that you've brought it up, the fact that it's having to be spoken about, faintly ridiculous. Um, it's something that I've always brought up, to be honest. The fact that I, I dislike the fickle nature of of modern football fans. I think it's the fact that we these people complain with, with one hand about certain things going one way and then pretty much do the same thing with their next breath is uh, is, is much sillier than they ever really realised, to be honest. And uh, it's something I feel... I always feel uncomfortable with because, as I say, it's not something I ever interact with. So it's not something I, I try and pay too much attention to, to be honest. I mean... When it starts actually affecting the club negatively is when it bothers me much more. But there's always going to be people who complain. There's there's going to be people who just enjoy that. That's that's their one way of of having an outlet. I think they would. Uh, there's some people who I can only assume are miserable when Tottenham are doing well because it gives them no reason to complain. I mean, it's it's very strange if you if you look at like the the most basic level. If you look at the the amount of of articles and the amount that is written by fans on on, a, on an amateur level, on a blog level, when Tottenham are doing badly compared to when Tottenham are doing well, there's there's hardly any output. There's hardly any think pieces. There's hardly any oh this is what I think we're doing well type of thing when when the results are coming. But when when things take a downturn, everybody suddenly becomes a uh, an expert on how to how make the club better on on who should be going, who should be coming in. There's almost a strange, morbid fascination with with doing doing unwell. It's almost as if Tottenham Tottenham fans aren't used to how to handle success. To be honest, we're not very well at, at taking it in our in our step. We it's a very English sort of thing of not being able to uh, to handle success when it's there in front of us. And even though we've 
we've not done as well as we have done in previous seasons. What we're doing now is in no way the worst we've ever been. This is, you know, if, if you'd have offered us this when I was I was a kid in the nineties and uh, we were we were relegation for the most years um, there or thereabouts. If you, if you'd have offered us, you know. Oh no, we're we're eleventh rather than tenth. That's that. If that was our problems back then, I think most people would have grabbed it happily with both hands. So it's um, it's a little bit strange to be honest. I, I don't understand where it all comes from. It doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys you. It's just something I found a bit a bit unfortunate. I think it's, it's something you find at all clubs. I mean, you'll find you'll find Chelsea fans complaining when there's really nothing to complain about that club. You'll find plenty of Arsenal fans, fans complaining. Put on fucking Arsenal fan TV to see the Arsenal fans having a go at it. Did you did you see the latest one that's doing the rounds? Exactly, they were they were they were actual grown men fighting, like properly fist fighting, um, and uh, you know they were they were haranguing the manager that you know it's a very odd thing the, the way that they teach that uh, not the way they, they, they the way they treat that man. Given that I think some of them appreciate the fact that they. He's, he's probably the best thing that's ever happened to that club. They, they wouldn't be in that stadium if it wasn't for him. They wouldn't have the trophies they've had in the, the past few decades if it wasn't for him. They wouldn't have transitioned as well from having to pay off all that debt in that stadium into, you know, consistently qualifying for the Champions League. It's something that, you know, is often derided and people take the piss out of him saying, oh, fourth place cup and whatnot. And he's often, he's not, He's not discussed it as well as he could have done, but uh, I think Gary Neville's been quite open in admitting that the fact that they had little turnover but were consistently managing to finish within the Champions League spots despite having these strange mini breakdown seasons after season was was quite remarkable, to be honest. And the fact that they, they seem to have run out of appreciation for that is, uh, is a very odd thing, to be honest. I mean, especially if you... Even, even if you look at it from, from sort of our position, we are still infrastructure wise and and size wise a step or two below where Arsenal are now and that's I think that's purely because of, of his time at the club. They they would be a similar size club to us if um if he wasn't there. If they were still in Highbury and they were still, you know, with with the level of manager of, of George Graham and thing, they 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 probably wouldn't have kicked on to the level they are now. So it's it's a very strange thing. I mean, as I say, you you'll get fickle yeah. fans no matter which club they support. That's it. Um, fuck the fans. Fuck them all. I'm not a fan, really. I support. I no, I am a fan. I don't like. I don't even want to make a joke about that. Because um, it wouldn't be funny. But why break the habit of a lifetime, eh? I'm a, a deeply, deeply unfunny man, and I. I've it's been quite a dour episode, to be honest. We've not really. It has been. Well, my bit with Matt was actually quite good. Um, I think it's just talking to you. It brings me down, mate. I blame you. It's this accent, isn't it? It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh... Nothing to do with the accent. Like, it it reminds me of, it's homely for me. Us. Reminds me of my mum. So it's it's homely. You remind me of my mum, Raj. There you go. There's a there's a compliment. I think that's that's why you treat me with so much respect, isn't it? Potentially, I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit old school like that. I'm very respectful to to old mum. I am. Um, good good lady. Uh. She is, I can reckon that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. He didn't disappoint. Um, well, that's not what she said, but anyway. <laughs> you can't uh, set yourself up for them. I, I just did. Should we talk? I, I don't know, because I haven't watched The Missing this week. And I haven't watched oh, really Newsroom good. this week. 
Oh, the um, newsrooms. I, I think, as I said to you on text, the newsrooms, a conversation we're probably going to have to have off-air, given the subject nature and the fact that we are just going to be uh, clinging in the dark and, and trying to discuss uh, the various things that are right and wrong with that television programme. Although, on the large part, I enjoy it. and It's still something I'll watch. There's only one episode of it left, and across the three seasons, it's something that I've... I've enjoyed more than I haven't, so it's uh, by no means a, a bad television program. I think it's there's a whole culture of people doing this. Uh, it's only something I came across in the past few days when I've been reading think pieces about the newsroom specifically. Apparently, people purposefully watch programs knowing that they hate them, just so that they can hate them online. There's like this hate watching thing. It sounds like half our fucking fan base that you've just said you don't care about. Yeah, I, I think that what that's maybe what people do with Tottenham hate watch Tottenham the the way that people hate watch television, but that's um that's apparently a thing. So I never knew that was. I mean, why would you want to sit down and watch a television program if you, if you know you're not going to enjoy it? I don't like reality TV, so I don't watch that Essex program. I don't watch that one of the the people in Newcastle either. I mean, if if I know it's not going to be my thing, I'll just avoid it. I mean, I don't why I don't understand why people actively go out to be annoyed by this type of thing just so they can have something to say in a negative fashion I'm not particularly enamoured with the likes of Russell Brand so I don't read his articles, I click on his videos Yeah, it's just you've you've just got to kind of have a look at yourself if that's what you've been doing I mean I've been, like, an article in like the New York Times and the New Yorker and stuff of like these seasoned television critics as they call themselves who have written for probably longer than I've been alive about television and they're admitting to watching television programmes with the express intention of writing something about it that annoys them. I think people, uh, people, not the newsroom specifically, but just all all media in general specifically go and look for something to, to dislike. It's a, it's a very strange cultural thing that I'm, uh, I'm not very much a, a part of. Yeah, I don't know. People... People I find very, very bizarre. Um, like this whole, you know, Zoella, this YouTube blogger, the sort of, uh, like the, yeah. the fury that is sparked. I mean, whatever, you know, she she has some bollocks YouTube channel that's probably vacuous. It's probably a load of crap. But at the same time... Uh, is, uh, I mean, I've, I've had more contact with that than I think most because I've got a 10-year-old sister and she's constantly watching that sort of shit. She watches uh, that um, Stampy Cat, the uh, Minecraft one, just these lads playing this block mm. game for like 10 minutes at a time, talking absolute nonsense, but she sits there like pissing herself at it and I don't understand. I mean, it's, it's probably the way in which adults used to... Well, I say this, but me, my dad used to watch cartoons with me when I was younger. I used to watch like Rugrats and uh, Power Rangers and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that, you know... My dad was able to sit down and watch with us, and and then you you graduate and you watch things like Hang Time and uh, what else was there? Sabrina, Teenage Witch, uh, Saved by the Bell, that sort of that sort of thing. It's just a strange new thing. I think there's a certain amount of people just being scared of new media, isn't there? Well, that's it, and I, I just think you know she's got a massive audience because people like what she's doing. If you don't like it, you're probably too old to appreciate it. Yeah, um, she's she's brought out a book and. So what? She's got a ghostwriter. Ultimately, you're just jealous because it's sold loads of copies and she's probably made more money now than you ever have in your entire life. I'm, I'm not they saying make a ridiculous that. I'm not, I'm not saying that from someone that's... I'm not I'm not wealthy. I'm not loaded. She's probably... 
well, she's definitely made more money than I've ever made in my life and probably ever will do. Like, but why why hate on her just because you don't like it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. She's probably started that channel just uh, not expecting anything from it whatsoever. And then it's become a marketing tool, these these kids online. I mean, um, I was talking to Roberto, who's been on the show before, about these these YouTube channels. I make myself sound older than I am. It became a bit of a a conference online of me, uh, Roberto... Uh, Jay Jaffer, who works for Goal, and uh, Michael Cox, who's on a marking and, and whatnot, just having this strange, uh, and, and James Moore as well, the 442, we're having this strange online discussion about these, these YouTube people, not really understanding how they make as much money as they do, because we were just sat there questioning Roberto, because he works in in, uh, in that field of, uh, of the things, and advertisers apparently pay them you know, falling over themselves to pay them vast sums to, you know, just include their products in their videos and whatnot. And people on Vine are the next thing. These these, these kids with millions of Vine followers doing adverts and stuff. There's that, that French lad who's, like, he's, he's hired by uh, television programmers to appear and make Vines for them. So it's just, uh, you know, new media is a strange phenomenon for some people and... Uh, it's going to be a while before a lot of people get on board and, and sort of embrace it in the manner that kids do. I mean, this, the sort of the sort of thing we have now was uh, the iPads and his iPhones, the touchscreen things. It, it was a, a thing of the future when I was a kid. No, it was like it was something that'd be on TV and films, and you'd sit there and go, oh, that, "That'll never be out by the when I when I'm older." That that's a space age thing. Now you just don't think twice before it, and like I say, with my sister, she's she's been able to use an iPhone since she were, you know, probably before she could speak because they're that easy to use. She's of that generation now where she can just pick up and use most technology, and it'll just continue in that manner. So the fact that we've got older generations who are slightly scared of the fact that the world is a changing place isn't really too surprising. Um, it's just going to mean that the people who are doing well out of it are going to going to face a little bit of vitriol, but I don't, I don't think they'll be they'll be too bothered crying into their mountains of cash, to be honest. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck everyone. Fuck everything. Follow us at RTRSSM. Listen to all the previous it's a episodes. very odd place for us to leave this, the fact that we've just had this strange new media conversation rather than talking about anything we usually do. I know. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> we, we essentially just... We essentially just have like in any other business uh, towards the end of the show, don't we? I think people have realised now that we come into this with with no running order or anything. We just sort of have a natter and see where it takes us. Yeah, I think it works. I, I like it that way. I, w- I wouldn't have it oh, any other way, Raj. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be doing anything too professional anytime soon, are we? So. You've got that off your your you max it pod now as well. Oh, so. managed, I've I've dragged that down to my level. Don't you worry. I, I presented it this week, and I managed to make uh, Gene Oliver, who's come on uh, on this uh, this show before, but I missed him. I made him admit as an Arsenal fan that they're a one man team. So was, uh, <laughs> I purposefully with with loaded questions. If you listen to the you max it set piece podcast. There were like three or four questions in a row where I asked him about Aguero and Sanchez, and essentially painted him into a corner, and then made him a bit that they were a one man team and that was that was my work there done to be honest. But I've have they, yeah. have they given you your P forty five yet, mate, as a result. Oh no, they they encourage that sort of thing. I think Gene's the uh the, the whipping boy of, of that company, so we uh we it was encouraged. He's a nice lad, Gene. I like him. But don't tell him I said that because he's a scumbag. <laughs> um listen to all the previous episodes on SpursStatman.com or on iTunes. 
Um, is there anything going up on the site this week, mate, on Spurs? That just, just the usual sort of thing, to be honest. Um, previews, reviews, all that come, sort of business. Come and have a look if you think you're hard enough. Yeah, I wrote about uh, if you're if you're interested. I wrote about brown people playing football. Um, it's a good read. So, I did. Re- I tweeted it out today, actually. Yeah. So if you want to read that, it's that's on the UMAX site about. Uh, I think they've got it. Some very politically correct um, title about British Asians playing in British football. But essentially, it's just me writing about brown people and why they aren't playing football. Have, have you had any whopping responses yet? Oh, come off it. It ain't racism. Have you had any of that, bollocks? No, not really. I've had some old brown people saying that uh, apparently we're not good enough to play football, which is odd. And I think that's half the reason, the fact that there is this strange, reluctant attitude to believe in oneself but it's it's all sort of explored it's a it's a uh i like the way you said sub- that i had some old brown people <laughs> well this is a, a it's, this it's, is, it's, it's something that i've um i've i explore in the thing but i think that's a that's the the largest region behind it is is purely generational i think there's by the time i have children and they are my age so in around you know 20 30 years um I think it'll be a much different landscape, to be honest. I think that society will be a much different place with the fact that mixed, rela- mixed race relationships and whatnot will be um, will be the, the norm and whatnot. So I think because we're only two, three generations into the fact that we, we've had mass immigration from that, that continent, it's going to be very different um, in the future. And I think it's, it's just a, a, a case of waiting, to be honest. It's probably, it's probably a, a, an area that requires a, a small sociological study and uh, more than a thousand words writing about it in order to get a proper picture um all i really do is scratch at the surface of, of several points um but you know that's all you can really do in a column uh, is sort of point people in the right directions i wasn't really given the scope to go out and write an opus on it so it was, uh it's just a, essentially the best i can do in in, in in the field maybe there's a little kickstarter documentary we could do mate how about that um, uh, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm just telling you now. I'd, uh, it's too much, it sounds too much like hard work. Yeah, we'll see. Although talking about idea. Kickstarters, um, our, our friends, um, the True Faith podcast, uh, Taylor and Bestie, have got their own Kickstarter they going. Do. They're going to make a, a, f- a film about um, uh, Philippe Albert. The uh, the Newcastle number five who you know scored that chip in the the five one against um, Man United all those years ago and they're going to try and track him down and speak to him and make a bit of a, a documentary about it and and whatnot about that I think loosely about that whole entertainers era at Newcastle that I think that club is desperately clinging on to at the moment given the the sort of thing they've got at the minute saying that they're they're doing better than we are on the field but they they sort of hate their manager in a in a Sherwoodesque manner. Uh, that we used to, so it's um, uh, just if, if you're interested in watching that or seeing it, they've they've got their own uh, Kickstarter going. So you know, throw them a couple of quid. I think they've already reached their total, but essentially any penny that they get extra just helps them put you know an, an extra level of quality on top of it. And they're two very nice lads, and they'll they'll probably put something together that'll be interesting no matter what team you support. To be honest, because. I think we're all fairly familiar of that era of Newcastle, and they were, they were, uh, they were quite fun, weren't they? They were everyone's second team. Um, Not, I, I won't go that far, but nah. you know, 
I enjoyed laughing at Kevin Keegan as a kid. Yeah. Getting punched um, in layabies and whatnot. Can we can we go now? I wanna go to yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah, go to bed. Alright. Night. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.